Hello, hello, and welcome to For Book's Sake. I'm Heather Roberts. I'm Veronica Adams, and we are 1852 Media. Indeed. And today, <laughs> Kate Crane is back. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, my God. This, uh, this person. <sighs> she. <laughs> for those who don't remember... Kate Corrine is the debut traditionally published author who review bombed uh, authors of color, often many who were also debut or were with, with the her same own agent. Imprint. Yes. Yeah, with her own imprint in order to make her books appear better on Goodreads. Yes. And she was caught and she lied about it. And then she lied about it. And then eventually she came forward and said, yeah, that was me. I did that. And now, instead of fading into obscurity, as one should do in such scenarios. Vanishing into the ether, as one should do when publicly shamed. Instead of doing that, because we, why would we do that anymore? Um, she gets a whole feature written about her in the Daily Beast. Yeah, signal boosted. Which, we were just reading the article and... We were like, okay, we have to start recording because our outrage to certain lines in this article are palpable. Like, if you've not read this article, I don't necessarily think you should go and read it because I don't want more clicks to go there. But if you want to, I mean, this is ridiculous. This this story came out on Valentine's Day, okay? And the title, the title is... Author who review bombed writers of color, colon, I'm not racist. Okay. Okay. There's, there's things to unpack here. Why is it when people. Let's, let's start with the fact that this is under Brooklyn Howard's byline at the Daily Beast. She is a race and identity reporter. Okay. Yes. So like specifically out there telling stories in this particular vein. But yes. like <clears throat> covering news, I don't know, the Daily Beast news. I, we, we could have that debate all day, right? Right. So the idea is this is a story that is about race and identity. Yes. Yeah. And there's a content warning. This story yeah. deals with severe mental illness and substance abuse. Yeah. Which we already knew because that's what her whole... That was, apology. that was part of the apology originally yes. that Kate issued uh, after everything first went down at the end of last year. The The subline is, in an exclusive interview, Kate Crane said that a psychotic breakdown prompted by substance abuse led to a series of uncharacteristic actions that were beyond her control. This is, this is, okay. It, let's just throw this out there. In the, in the legal court of law, Right. You get several defenses. You, if you are criminally charged with something, right. Or even civilly for that matter. Or civilly charged. Sort of, yeah. Sure. However, oftentimes, I think, I think almost every, I, I'm trying to remember here, but like having substances in your system, being high on something, impaired, substance abuse, impaired is not a defense. <laughs> to your actions. Certainly you, not an absolute one. 
No, not an absolute one. If anything, it might be a mitigating factor in sentencing. Okay. So in sentencing, you can then say, listen, I was not within my right mind, so I shouldn't receive as harsh of a penalty. Well, and for I my actions in some jurisdictions, it can also help mitigate the charges originally too, right? Like when the prosecuting authorities are coming after you and and actually putting together in in criminal court at least because this doesn't sure. happen in civil court. Yeah, the charges that you're going to face sometimes the charge is reduced, right? Right. By virtue of these mitigating factors as well. But it never absolves you right. from your actions. I guess yeah. that's my point. You can look at it. must be had. Yes. You're still getting uh-huh. some type of accountability for your actions, whatever they may be. Yes. And depending upon the circumstances, that can be slightly mitigated. You know, right. the, the penalties, therefore, can be slightly sure. mitigated. So we're always talking about the penalties when we're talking about mitigation. So the charge is being reduced. That would be a potential penalty, right? Or yeah. if you're in sentencing, your actual sentence being reduced right. for the pe- potential right. penalty. Your, your but fines or the amount of jail time or whatever gets low, lessened or reduced. Right. Yeah. But at no point do we ever say that the actions didn't occur, right? Like that mm-hmm. it... I'm not responsible for these actions. No, you're responsible. You just may get a lesser, you know, outcome because of X, Y, Z factors. Right. But what, what this article, maybe what Kate is attempting to do in this interview that was, that was given for purposes of writing this article, because I don't know that necessarily the journalism here is to blame, but a lot of the quotes coming out of it Make it sound like all Kate is saying is insanity defense. I was crazy. I'm not racist. Right. 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 She get she says, okay, so there's there's a few quotes in here that are just wild. Okay. Uh it more was than, a more than a few. More than a few. It was a quote unquote sheer awful coincidence, unquote, that the majority of these books were writers by writers of color. Oh, really? Because here's the thing in publishing, if you know anything about publishing, it is a coincidence. I I mean, I'm trying to make a joke here, but like authors of colors are not published at such a high frequency that it's just a coincidence that you just happen to throw darts at the board and pick the authors of color books like that is no yeah. No. If there you're are not darts- so many authors of color yes. out there getting publishing contracts that you could fire a shotgun and hope to see all of the shotgun shells shot yeah. dispersed in a pattern that just randomly targets authors of color. It doesn't work that way. No. If that were to happen, you would be targeting white women because 70% of publishing, 75% of publishing <laughs> is- men is yeah, white women or white men. Mm-hmm. And so still, 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 right. And we are in the year of our Lord 2024. Yeah. And that is the state of things. But my point, and we, we can go into, we agree that that should change and all of that. Yes. But to say that you, it was a sheer coincidence and that it was like random. No, the, the the percentage of authors of color is so small compared to authors in total. Right. That this is statistically significant. 
It's that not is, coincidental. That is laughable. That is that does not pass the smell test. That quote. She she claims this is this is a direct quote. Oh, this is a direct quote from her. I, I, I my, the authors I targeted. I, I'm sorry. Let me start again. It's an unfortunate coincidence that happened because I was going off a Goodreads list. Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. That was the only driver, and I'm so distressed mm-hmm. and heartbroken by the fact that the impression that people have of me of now is that I am a racist. Well, actions <laughs> speak louder than words. If okay, racist, if you do racist things, you're going to be branded as a racist. That's how that works, <laughs> right? So, as we know, in her apology, she she states that she had this complete psychological breakdown. Okay, that that was that was her. Apology, non-apology. It it really wasn't. We need to be clear that we are not unsympathetic to mental illness and mental health issues. 100%. 100%. Certainly not a track that we want to be taking here with this discussion. But the fact that she is sort of blanketing an absolution of her crimes by virtue of this psychotic episode that she had, allegedly... It feels like she wants absolution here. Like mm-hmm. she wants to be let back into the industry with open arms and yes. people say, it's okay. We understand that you did this because yes. you were under these medications. You had this break mm-hmm. and whatever. And that's just not realistic. Right. Okay. She's still living in her fantasy world. If that is what she believes is going to happen. It's it's giving, I'm a victim of cancel culture vibes. Yes. You know? And it's offensive, frankly. There's more offensive quotes in here, speaking of. Oh my goodness. Are there ever. Here's a doozy. I understand. She's talking about, obviously, not being racist. Okay, that's what she's talking about here. Quote, I understand how difficult the publishing industry is to navigate when you are marginalized. Unquote. Corrine told the Daily Beast, adding... That she is a Jewish neurodivergent person. Yes, we can have a moment of silence for that cricket audacity filled comment. Where do you buy this audacity from? Where do you buy it? Because I need some. I need a dose. Just pour it over my head. I don't don't know where people find this, but I need to get me some. Well, I know. I... (laughs) As, is, as as the feminist jokes go, right? You can only get this from a mediocre white man. Like it's that level of audacity. It is. It is. I am floored. The level of audacity it had mm-hmm. to put, not only say that out loud, like not only think right. that, but then say that out loud and then say it to a reporter who's going to put it in an article for other right. people to read. Well, okay, so now we have to balance this with the very real issue of anti-Semitism and religious and ethnic-based hate. I can't, I don't think, though, that you can equate that to being Black in America. I don't, it's not the same thing. Sure, sure. As, As much hate, oh gosh. This is delicate. Okay. We we, we just want to put it out there. We obviously respect Jewish people, Jewish culture. We have no hate to any of that. So it's just seeing somebody use that as a defense. Right. And try to equate that to something that it is not. Yeah. 
It feels it feels a lot like a shield, right? Like I am going yeah. to hide behind this rather than take accountability for the awful thing that I did. But that's not to say <laughs> that anti-Semitism isn't a real thing, right? And and this article doesn't actually go into any detail about Kate's personal experience with that. And maybe she no. has experienced sure. a lot of anti-Semitism, bigotry, and hate as a result of being Jewish and or neurodivergent. Two but things like, listed together that I'm. I'm I, <laughs> I think though, where where stretching. there's a lot of stretching going on here. There's stretching. Uh, I was literally head scratching, and yeah, because the thing is, this is not about her Jewish faith or no. her Jewish heritage. I don't no. know if she's a practice, you know, I don't, I don't know where she falls. Right. So is I don't want to religiously observant. Is she a practicing Jewish? She culturally I don't know. Jewish. Like they're two very different things. Correct. I know people who are in, you know, both of those camps. All I know is that she's using the Jewish faith to equate it to trying to be empathetic to people of color. Right. That is that is where I'm getting here. And then and then because of that, she's then saying because because I understand what it's like to be Jewish, I also I can empathize and thus I cannot be racist. That's the that's the jump that she wants you to take well, with that language. So it, the 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 actual quote is I understand how difficult the publishing industry is to navigate when you are marginalized. And I guess the question I have is are are Jewish people or neurodivergent people marginalized in the publishing industry or in any other industry? I mean maybe they are and maybe we're not being sensitive to that. But like we we know authors yeah. of color are marginalized. We know yeah. nobody is making enough space for minorities in right. the publishing industry. And that a lot of what's done today is performative at best in terms of making space and elevating and platforming and sharing voices. Here's my thing though. Let's just look at the facts. Yeah. She's a 20 something, right? Isn't she okay. like before? Something I, like that? Sure. I actually don't know how old she is. I believe you can, can come for me in the comments and correct me if I'm wrong. Right. I believe that she is in her 20s, early 20s. Okay. She is a debut mm-hmm. author. Yes. yes. With who received a publishing contract from one of the big five. Yep. She had an agent. Yep. And she was going to be put in a very popular book box. Yes. That all a distribution, roads... a distribution deal that longtime yeah. New York Times bestselling authors don't often get into. I, I guess my point being is all the roads were paving with her to in gold for her. What is she talking about that she understands how hard it can be and how difficult the publishing industry can yeah. be to navigate right. when you're marginalized, when she's literally received every opportunity available in the publishing industry. Right. Like other authors. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, who look like her, who are older than her, who are of the Jewish faith, 
have not had these or neurogen divergent have not had these opportunities given to them. So for somebody who has had these privileges bestowed upon you at such a young age Mm -hmm. and such a beginning start of your career to say that you understand the struggle. No, you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Bitch, please. I mean, that's what I want to say there. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's not to her, but you know what I mean? That's the response to the, sort of idea of that. Like, right. please, please. Now, we haven't even unpacked this entire article. Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> We're just warming up at this point. I swear, we could talk about this all day. Just sit here and, and balance, like, thousands of years of, of just everything that, that Jews have experienced since the dawn of the Jewish faith, right? Mm-hmm. And, the Holocaust being the most recent, like really severe example of everything that they've suffered. And then also like contrast that with the institution of slavery in this country and many others for specifically black people and people from Africa, also Asia and other parts of the world. Yeah. But you know, it just, yeah, it's just, that's a no win situation. It's, it's terrible. It's it's so hard. Okay. So let's it makes go. My, it makes my brain want to explode. It's really bad. There's just not. There's more terrible quotes in this article. Okay. So she then goes on to say that she was diagnosed with dyslexia and attention deficit hyperactivity disorder when she was a child. Um, she was diagnosed with autism or she said she didn't realize that she had autism until January, 2022. I don't know if that means she was diagnosed with it or, or what, but sure. So now we're, now we're throwing dyslexic ADHD and autistic folks under the bus here too. Yes. We're, we're, we're pulling at everything. Okay. She had spent her entire adult life struggling with the challenge of being autistic. And I need to know how old she is now because her entire adult life, if she is actually 24, has been five years. So, or six years. I'm just saying that's not, we're we're not talking about a length of time here. That's really monumental. If, Yeah. She, in June 2022, Crane said that she began experiencing major mental health issues while working on her novel, Crown of Starlight. As a neurodivergent person, she said the publisher's editing notes put her in a state of panic, along with increasing feelings of self-doubt due to all of the quote-unquote visual noise. So she started to self-medicate with alcohol and marijuana. And then she had a seriously bad reaction to mixing those things with really high doses of the psychoactive medication that she was on. So here, I just want to say this straight out. She was on a lot of medication. Okay. Yeah. She tells us what medication she was yeah. on. Really like they, four or five different prescriptions that she had yeah. at the time. She then says that she also was on alcohol, marijuana, and caffeine. Okay. Yeah. Now, well, you're using two stimul you're using a stimulant and two depressants in addition to all of your prescription drugs. I mean, uh, clearly you're on a roller coaster every day, right? Right. So I, I just want to say, like, I don't think it's the the caffeine, the alcohol, or the marijuana alone. I had any of their faults. I think you can have a cup of coffee and smoke a joint and enjoy your life and have a glass of wine. 
some people yeah. can, some people can't, right? Like you need to yeah. know yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think her particularly, she was clearly abusing those things. So we need to look at this from a lens of abuse, not because the way they write it in the article, it was like, you know, also these things. And it just made it seem bad. But I don't think it was, yeah, I don't think it was those things particularly. I think it was the five psychoactive medications that she was on or whatever they do mixed with those other things that certainly uh, was not beneficial for her mental health. Like that was, and she apparently was lying to her doctor about her medication needs because she wanted more medication, not less. So she admits that in the article. Uh, She became increasingly paranoid, which it's quite possible from the medication, right? Like that is, I'm not trying to discount that she was clearly going through something, Mm -hmm. okay? And the medication was not, I don't think, helping her. I think it was probably more hurting her than helping her because she was not on the right doses of things and was mixing them with other things. That's my whole point of of that. But (laughs) until... (laughs) In June of 2023, Corrine tried, this is me reading the article again, Corrine tried a new ADHD medication and said that was when she created her first Goodreads account and wrote negative reviews against her will. I mean. I know and love someone who has been on many different ADHD medications. Not many. All of the ones available on the market, which are not, (laughs) not a lot of them. But as far as the sample size go, just tried them all. Never seen this person create a Goodreads account and start review bombing against their will. Never. Against their will. Yeah. That, that is the line that gets me. That I've is seen the them li- leave some Google and Amazon reviews that were pretty scathing, like of their own volition. Right. But, uh, never Goodreads reviews against their will. Against their will. I yeah. mean, that just in every sentence, it is an attempt to not take accountability. That is the thing. You know, like, it's just, I did these things, but it wasn't my fault. I did these things, but it wasn't my fault. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she says, I woke up the next morning. I had this awful, like, dread in my stomach, and I couldn't tell anyone because I was absolutely convinced that if I told anyone about what had happened and the fact that I had done something that was so incredibly out of character for me, that I was going to be institutionalized. Now, that's a like that's a level of fear and loss of autonomy that I I can't I, I can't I don't think I've ever experienced anything like that myself. I don't know how no. to necessarily sympathize with it. But the the author of the article writes immediately after this quote. Yeah. But she couldn't go back and delete the Goodreads profiles because that meant she would have to, she would have had to confront the truth about not having autonomy over her actions. So clearly she's turning. Yeah. A willfully ignorant direction away from everything that she's doing and going through. Right. Like, there is some level of knowing and autonomy and control over her actions here. She's, she's making deliberate choices or so the journalist wants us to think about Kate in all of this. So then she says, and this to me sort of 
goes against what was said earlier. So Mm -hmm. at the beginning of December, Corrine was experiencing such intense inner turmoil and paranoid delusions about failure that she targeted Goodreads, sci-fi, and fantasy writers whose books were ranked higher than hers in popularity. That, to me, goes directly against the I randomly shot out, you know... Mm -hmm the the review bombing mm-hmm. so you know well the fact that she included her own contemporaries tells me everything i need to know about how random this was right she felt threatened by the competition and it was a deliberate choice to attack the authors that she chose this, they then say um she said this is not a this is her quote this was not a story about me going on a racist rampage this was a story about a really insane attempt to make it look like none of my competitors were nearly as popular as I was. So, yeah, that's, we know, that's exactly what you were trying to do. And then you try to say, oh, well, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a racist thing, but you didn't target all, the thing is she didn't target everybody, right? If it was a across the board thing that she yes. did- that would yes. be that would be a lot more believable. But that's not what she did. Nope. <laughs> so, and she says that she targeted the words in the article, she targeted which goes completely against the the randomness of the oh my god, it was a pure coincidence. Mm-hmm. Okay. However, then the article goes on to say, unfortunately, she also experienced blackouts during her manic episodes and didn't have a quote unquote clear memory about what she had done. So I don't know what, I don't know what it is. I I don't know if she was in a dreamlike state. She clearly knew what she did though. She knew what she did because then she tried to cover it up with that fake conversation that she created in that weird timeline thing. She, so she she produced receipts of things that didn't yeah. actually happen to protect herself from the fallout right. that ultimately happened anyway, which she does not address in here. Yeah. There's there's no addressing of that. Uh, yeah, her attempt to cover her tracks after she first got caught. Right. Yeah. She said she does. She's deserved for her agent, publisher, and distributor to let her go. I think that in losing everything, I realized how much I've actually had. I can't with these people. I can't. I mean, you literally like, had everything. You had. Felt like a 50 year old man watching his wife walk away from him with half of everything in the divorce. Oh my God. Right? It does. The audacity. Oh my God. She's 30, by the way. Oh, she's 30. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, there are a couple of gossip pages on the interwebs claim she was born in 1993. So. Okay. That's helpful to know. Yes. But still not. Not in not, early 20s, but also. Also not that old. Okay. Yeah. All right. I do want to make sure that I apologize directly to the people that I hurt. It felt unacceptable to me to just leave people hanging without any acknowledgement that I knew what I had done and that they deserved to have their pain acknowledged and that I had to own that. So you knew what you had done, but you said that you did things against your, you know, like this doesn't, the math is not mathing. Okay. Okay. The math is mathing. Here's where the, the, please just feel sorry for me. I'm not going to take accountability for what I did really boils over. 
after the, this is directly from the article, after the indie literary world hit the fan, Corrine checked into an inpatient psychiatric facility to regain a sense of control. She said it was the same day that actor Matthew Perry's autopsy report was released. Why is that relevant? What does that have to do with any (laughs) freaking thing you've done, Kate? What does that have to do with anything? What a weird detail to include. Truly, truly, what a weird, weird detail. Here's the thing. What can we learn from this? One, apparently bad doing bad things gets you publicity in the Daily Beast. I mean, that's one thing that we can Only take away here. White. Yeah, there's that. Also, I mean, this is not how to handle a public demise like this, right? Like this is this is not how to handle. She handled this very terribly. If you do something, take accountability from it, say you're sorry educate, you know, like, and then make your promises and move forward and actually stick to your promises. That that's what you need to do. Trying to brush all this stuff away from her and say that this isn't really my fault. I know I did it, but I didn't really do it. And I can't, I couldn't undo it after I did it because then I would have to know that I did it. What? Right. Like, Right. That, that, that's her whole, that's her whole spiel. Direct quote. What I started to realize is that the way we talk about addiction in our society, a dead addict is a tragedy, a tragedy, a living addict is weak and a problem and somebody who just can't get themselves together. And I think that's a huge, huge disservice to the millions of people who are struggling with this stuff because it is an epidemic at this point. I want to try and change the conversation around mental illness, around addiction, and around what it actually is like to be in the publishing industry as a first-time author, as a disabled author. But I at no point got from this that she is an addict. That is not what she... She didn't say that she was an addict in any of these things. That's the, that, that is the whole point of invoking Matthew Perry. That is the whole point of talking about checking into oh, the psychiatric boy. facility. Like... She's addicted to ADHD medication and psychoactives and, and things like that. But I guess, I mean, I'm not well, saying and, that and that's her problematic obviously that's self-medication through alcohol sure. and marijuana. Sure. I'm not saying that those things cannot be addictive and that you cannot be right. addicted to them. Right. But at no point, I feel like the title of the article is, should have been, I'm an addict. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like not, I'm not a racist. Yeah. You don't. You don't get that quote until the very last end. And at no point does she say that I'm an addict and that is the reason that I handled these things. You know what I'm saying? Like, and if you're not, if she's not there yet in her recovery to be able to say those words. Clearly. Yeah. Then she shouldn't be putting out articles in the press, in the Daily Beast, trying to be some advocate for addiction well, she hides you know, behind like, it up until the point where it's time to transition to look at how brave I am for taking right. taking this on. And I mean, now I'm going to advocate for others similarly situated. Like I, I am commendable, very... but also completely lacking in accountability for your yeah. actual racist behavior, Kate. I, uh, you know, I, I have experience with addiction, um, personally As do speaking. I. Yeah, yes. I, I know someone. As do I someone very close to me 
has dealt with addiction and is still dealing with addiction. And being in the family, I have dealt with Mm -hmm. the ramifications of said addiction. I've seen addiction up close and personal. Absolutely. Um, So I guess that this is what I've learned a lot about addiction uh, since, you know, from the age of 16 forward. From this experience and many others. Yeah. This this bothers me in so many ways because this is not the type of rhetoric that I would like to see when discussing addiction. Yeah. Because any anybody that you talk to in that sort of sphere will say that the first thing that an addict has to do is take accountability for their actions that they committed right. while under addiction, while they were under the influence. If this article had been subtitled, how my addiction led me to engage in racist behaviors and torch my burgeoning author career, it would be aptly subtitled. Correct. Correct. But that's not what this is. And so like, if you want to actually advocate on behalf of people with mental illness and who have addictions, people who have addictions, oftentimes people have addictions because of mental illness. hundred percent. That is Absolutely. very valid. Very Absolutely. valid. So if that is- A lot is, of it starts with self-medication correct. for the symptoms of whatever it is they're struggling with. But you need to learn before you start doing articles and interviews that you need to take accountability for your actions regardless of how they occurred. Well, and, and, and- a mental illness, self-medicating a mental illness, developing an addiction through- lying to your prescribing physician and or going out and acquiring the substances that you want to use to self-medicate to begin with, all of those things individually and together do not give you a license right, to violate basic human decency. No, none of it does. Right. I mean... You still should be held accountable for the actions that occurred while you were suffering from your addiction. Right. And I I think my she's like, you know, I deserved all of these things and or I deserved for my publisher to leave me and my agent to sure. drop me and all sure. those things. Yeah, you did. Okay. You did. I'm glad you at least acknowledge that. That is a right. step towards the right way. Okay. But I'm not quite sure what she wanted to get out of this article. I really other than wanting to come back into the publishing industry somehow, some way. Yeah. I mean, when you're, when, when you are at such a low point, is any press bad press? I mean, here we are talking about her, right? Like, right. Yeah. There's that. We are outraged and, and bitching about it because she's not taking accountability, but yeah, it's still press. We're signal boosting too. So, yeah, yeah, there's that, (laughs) but it is relevant to what's happening in the industry. I mean, is this how you handle, you know, bad press? Is this how you handle a situation? I would argue no. Well, okay. It it goes, it's simpler than that. Having a mental illness and or self-medicating and developing an addiction as a result of that mental illness are not reasons to engage in this kind of behavior. You you don't assault people. You don't you, like, yeah. what, how, are, are we really going to say that racism is less bad than all of the other things that would actually be unacceptable to Kate? You know right. what I mean? Like right. yeah. she's, equiv- she's equivocating. 
She's equivocating. And I think that's what bothers me most about that article. What bothered uh-huh. me most about her apology is she's trying to talk out of both sides of her mouth. 100%. And that's just not flying. And I right. think that anybody that reads that with a reasonable mind will feel the same way. Yeah. It's just, it's not, it's not mathing. So, yeah, it's, it's been a wild week uh, in the... <laughs> In the publishing industry. It always is. It's a yeah. quite a ride that we uh hang on well, here. So well, let's just hope that no one else decides to engage in her, I guess, semi-apologetics tour here. Like right. Let it be one and done. Yes, and let's move please. on from this. Please. For the love of all things let, holy. Let her find her niche in advocating for folks who are suffering from mental illness and who need better better support or any support at all for dealing with their addictions. Like I, I think that's a beautiful, sure. happy for now. That would be a lovely happy All for now. <laughs> yeah. Whether that actually happens or not is another story. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah. But, oh, man. Until the next insane thing <laughs> to happen. <laughs> yeah. Woof. Woof. That's been your your wrap up of what's been happening in publishing from no <laughs> with for your book's sake. sake. <laughs>